back to the Road Travel Podcast, the show where I talk with people that are doing interesting things with their lives and about the roads that they took to get there. It's not about having one life-changing moment or being an overly successful person. It's about the people that are working towards something, that are on the same journey that we're all on in one way or another and exploring the lessons that they have learned along the way. On today's show, I talk with Eric Brandon, a Canadian singer-songwriter that has made a life of developing his art, gaining lots of experiences along the way that has ultimately helped shape who he is as a musician and how he approaches the songs that he writes. We talk about how keeping yourself open to experiences outside of your main focus is an important element to developing and progressing your art. How my art is is, is experienced by myself and by others is, is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a whole, if <clears throat> every project I do feels like it is increasing and it is getting better um, to me and, and sort of my closest community of people than it is, you know, that I'm on the right road towards something. And all the while I'm opening myself up to new experiences, to new people, um, and to things that are outside of sort of my, my scope or my view in life, then, then I'm happy. You know, I, I, I want to make something that is better than the last thing that I made. You know, I want to write better songs. I want to make better sounding records and I want to understand people and I want to understand life better. Eric has been working hard on an album that is set to release later this year, and he agreed to perform an unreleased song off the upcoming album on this show. So before we get into the episode, here's Eric Brandon playing his song, Firewater. I sit here, spirit real alone Cracks in the walls, let the cold breeze flow I can see my own damn breath in this home So I use it to write, I miss you on the window Grab a bottle from the store One with a twist of cap, you know I use this stuff to feel a little less Since you've been gone, well, I've been a bit of a mess Firewater down the hedge One and two and three and I Coming back Firewater down the hedge A few more and it fades to Passing through, yeah. I'll get better once I go in from 
forget about you so fire water down the good thank you so much i need a haircut actually the tough thing is that i have a haircut scheduled for tomorrow night really which is it's a little frustrating for me because it's like you know i'd like to look absolutely fresh Mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm also going for like oh wow just like you're you're very like that's a very normal human no i I don't want to be too god i think everything (laughs) (coughs) everything you're putting out right now it's just good. It's good. <laughs> the flannel with the beard with the hair. It's all right. Yeah. So, you know, how's the forest? How's the lumberjack industry? It's good. It's good. World's going to shit, but, you know. We got trees. Still cutting down trees. Yeah, that's cool. So today on the show, we have Eric Brandon Heideman. <laughs> yeah, whichever. How do you prefer to pronounce your name? Um. So the first name is Eric. Yeah. So that's a hard C, yep. not a K. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, E-R-I-C. Uh, middle name is Brandon. Yeah. B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Okay. Uh, last name is Heideman. Cool. Heideman is the last name. Um, but for all in- intents and purposes of, of music, Eric Brandon is, yeah. is what we go by. It's weird. That's how I kind of refer to you now when I'm talking about you to anybody else. And right. some people are like, who? Right. Like my parents. I'll be like, oh, Eric right. Heideman. Right. Also, my mom was wondering, were you at the Walk Off the Earth show in Burlington? No. Okay. She was, that you she, know what it was? It was another person who had red hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to feel so bad right now. <laughs> but like, I was also like, well, he's a musician. Maybe. I get it all the time. Yeah. No, no. It's a likely situation that I would be there. Actually, I would have loved to. I think actually it was a benefit show for yeah. their guitar player, which yeah. is terribly, terribly sad. But um, so I would have loved to have been there. But no, I mean, it's a likely situation for me to be like, dude, saw you on the subway yesterday. 
in New York. Yeah. I couldn't believe that it was you. And it's like, man, I don't live in New York. I don't even, I'm not even anywhere near New York right now. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but he had a beard and it was orange. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. I forgot. I was oh. there for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. I took the red eye in. Yeah. Uh, grabbed a quick bite, took the subway yeah. and then I flew home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it happens to, it happens to me all the time, but it's not something I'm upset about. It's, hard, it's not a hill I'm going to die on. Yeah. It's like, the only thing I'm worried about is in the event, um, this actually happened not too long ago. If if there's somebody who looks like me or who has red hair who commits like a heinous crime, mm. I'm nervous, <laughs> right? Like the sketch is going to be drawn up and they're like, has red hair and a beard. Yeah. And uh, I'm definitely going to be like walking to work and just get tackled for sure. <laughs> it could be because you're a good looking dude. So maybe she was just like, hey, that's a good looking dude. Thanks, man. I think who that, also has red hair. I think that you're good looking too. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> a couple good it's looking the, guys. It's the flow. It looks yeah. great. If you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and shut it off and <laughs> go to YouTube and watch it because we're just too fine to miss this. And we, I think that for Jesse's sake, we would really just like some YouTube streams as well. Yeah, we would. Yeah. I, the, 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 the downloads of the audio have been flourishing, but the YouTube is, is suffering a little bit. So it, it, that's okay. All yeah. in time. Yeah, it's okay. Anyways, thank you for, thank you for being here, taking the time to come on the show. My pleasure, man. I I'm would very excited to have you. I'd rather not be anywhere else. I mean, maybe like a beach in Mexico yeah. would be like the only other thing, but no, this is, this is where I want to be. This is great. It's good to see you. Cool. Well, I want to take the, the podcast on tour. So maybe next episode we do together, we'll be on a beach in Mexico. Let's do it. Swoop, swoop airlines. They're going to Mexico. Now. Are they? Yeah. So cheap. Cool. Let's do it. So what have you been up to lately? Uh, yeah, life has been really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good to hear. Thanks. I love it when people kind of open with just being like life is good. (laughs) Yeah. It's positive. It's, it is, it is excellent. Um, I've had a really good year. I think 2000, 2018. I was going to say it's, it's been like all of three weeks of the year so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The last three weeks I didn't get any parking tickets and, uh, so far so good. Yeah. Brush my teeth every night and morning, you know? Uh, so, you know, this year started off really great for me. I got a little bit of help from factor, which is a, um, which is like a grant company. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they, they gave me a little bit of funding to, uh, to go towards, um, uh, some of the music pursuits that I'm doing a a new album Mm -hmm. that I'm working on. Um, which was which was really really cool. It's a bit of a, like just like a development grant. It's not that big, uh, but it is an excellent help. Uh, and then moving on from there, like I got, uh, I got an email last year around this time actually that I to to do this uh, via rail onboard program. Cool. Which uh, for me was just one of the most fun things that I've done in in the last year for sure. But basically, uh, John Dumont is a friend of ours actually yes. works, works for via. I think he does a, he does a leg of this, but, yes. but you get to go on the train and you, the train takes you through, uh, the via train takes you through Canada all the way to the West coast. Uh, and then you just get to play on board for a little while, which was like, as far as like career development goes, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't groundbreaking, but it was the most beautiful experience to be actually able to see Canada yeah. in the ways that you cannot drive through Canada. So that was a unique experience. It's for a me. countrywide tour. It's a literal, yeah. I w- sorry. So going back, I went on tour across country. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> but, uh, on via rail. And you had a, you had an audience every night. Sold every out, night. Sold I out to, audience. I had to play actually twice a day, wow. which was very funny because the via rail works in sort of two segments. Like there's, um, there's the one side of the train 
Have you seen Snowpiercer, the movie? No. It's this movie about, it, it doesn't matter. But the Via Rail has sort of two segments to it. There's like the very rich side of Via Rail, people who pay like quite a lot of money to be there. And the 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 cabins on that side are just extraordinary. Like they're, they have like a king bed in there and they have like a wow. big TV and stuff like that, a shower. Wow. Right? I don't even imagine that fitting. I don't have that in my apartment. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, but it, it beautiful, beautiful. And so that's sort of the one. So it's got a bar and everything. And then the other side of the train, literally the other side of the train on the very far end um, are just like the people who just are paying the base price. And like the base price... Uh, base price for the ticket they're they're sitting in seats and i swear like they're just like sleeping sitting up and it's just it it's cool that actually what i found is and so i played two shows like one for one side of the train earlier in the day for the people who just sort of paid the base price to be on be on the via train usually they were just going from like stop to stop or something like that but a couple of them were going the whole way back there uh, and then i would play a show on the other side for sort of the people who had a little bit more money and it was funny just sort of the, the class difference um whereas like in the afternoon i would go and play for the back cart um and they were so much they were I have to admit they were they're a little more interesting. Like they would like I would go and sit with them and they'd be like, Yeah, we just got back from Peru and we're going uh, you know, f- across the country and then we're gonna go up to Alaska and they would have all these extreme like a lot of travelers yeah, sort of yeah, like, yeah. uh and then we'd like play card games and stuff together. And then I the other half of the day I would like walk through these like little narrow hallways and go to the other side and, and people would be on that side and they would they would be like requesting old songs they were usually of like an older demographic and so it was cool it was a really neat opportunity and i had to play canadian music so it gave me a really good opportunity to not only play my originals but learn a lot of good canadian music that's pretty cool yeah it's a cool experience yeah i saw a lot of canada this year so because right before that i did a tour out east yeah and so i i drove um just out out east i just went from like i did a bunch of shows up until um montreal and then i went to new brunswick and uh, out to PEI and so that was really beautiful too so I saw that east coast and then I, immediately after that literally I got the VRL thing and I went out to the west coast what's your favorite east or west <sighs> you're asking you're hit the heavy hitting questions right away you want to get into this right Just away getting into it splitting our listening audience yeah um west coast is the best coast I, and I say that and I say that because it rhymes but I don't know if I <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I mean it no but the west coast has mountains and and in way and there's there's a beautiful landscape on the east coast as well like some of the most extraordinary like driving through northern new brunswick kind of to come over that peak back down into it i was mm-hmm. camping up I, had to, I camped up there uh and it was some of the most extraordinary scenery i've i've seen uh and the and i find that like the far either coasts are both their own sort of incredible uh, but the West Coast, you know, it's got Vancouver and it's got Whistler and it's got just like all the most beautiful places that the world recognizes as as beautiful. But the East Coast has a lot of history, too, with, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of immigrants coming in. And so there's 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 pros to both sides yeah. for, sure, for sure. Yeah, I haven't I've only been out east to Halifax for a job, but I've never spent any like vacation time there. Right. Uh, but I will say, like, I've been to and not that they're in any way too similar but we've been to Iceland and I love the landscape right. there and I do think that there are some similarities yeah. just because it's on the same yeah I agree ocean coastal region kind I of thing agree. um I really do want to go out there yeah and kind of get a feel for it yeah I think you'll feel right at home I think the east coast is a place you go and you're just yourself yeah and the people are just like 
we they're just like we love you for who you are and like come on over let's eat some lobster yeah and uh the west coast is you go to the west coast and you do feel like you um there's a there's a real culture in the west coast there's culture in the east coast too but the west coast there is there's this like very very sort of strong um strong culture that you have to you feel a little bit more like you have to break into but it's easy like people are still very kind and Mm -hmm, good mm -hmm. um but i don't know it's it's uh it's beautiful. It, they're both. They're the both sides are beautiful. I yeah. think Canada is just a beautiful country. Let's just leave it at that. I agree with you. Let's not. Uh, let's not force this. This issue. This. Yeah. Listen. We, let's let's just cut this off right here and just say you know Canada, we love you. Yeah. You got it going on. And truly, this year Canada, I've I've found that I love I love Canada this year more than any year that I've loved it. I feel That's like interesting. What made you realize that? This I think just like going to because yeah, I joke with my friends. Um, my girlfriend is living in, in Vancouver uh, last year this time. She's, she's moved home since. But um, so actually a joke with my friends that I, I sort of crossed this country um, by plane, train and automobile, like straight yeah. up in the last year, in the last 12 months. And um, actually w- when my girlfriend moved back, we drove back through the entire country to come back. So definitely yeah. drove the entire country this year. That's amazing. Which is, which is, yeah. Wow. It's something that I can say that I've always wanted to do. Um, yeah. Right. You know, agencies, companies that are listening. Uh, I've always wanted to make a bit of a film For sure. about it, uh, which, you know, lots of companies have tapped into recently, but I still haven't been called. So I don't Via. Know, what the hell? I think Via is your, is your, is your ticket. You know anybody there? John Dumont? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny boy. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> let's get into some, uh, let's get into some stuff. Tell me about your music a little bit because we've kind of, we've established that you're a musician just by the story you've just told. Right. How long have you been a musician? Like, when did you kind of start transitioning into this? Define like you you define yourself more as a musician now than anything else, probably, right? Right, right, yeah, exactly. I think that the the truth is um, that I I really identify um, as an artist, and 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 sort of like amongst artists, I you know I would really like amongst just like our conversation, I would say yeah, I'm a songwriter, like I'm a musician. Was it? Yeah, I feel like we were talking once before. Did you say you were a songwriter or you're a storyteller? You enjoy telling stories, right? And you have just found that telling them through music and being a songwriter is just the the avenue that you prefer and that you've found exactly a calling to. So exactly as you said it, and that's that's very funny that you bring that up because that's sort of like um, my my sort of thing. Um, I think from a really really young age, and, and we can tap into this a little bit, but. Um, from when I was really young, the first thing I loved to do before I knew a thing, like before I knew a thing about music was tell stories. That was number one. Yeah. Um, this is when my, when I was growing up, my dad, um, who was heavily and is still heavily influential in, in my life as far as, as my career as an artist, uh, or as a, a songwriter, um, my dad would read stories. Uh, he would read books. He'd read fiction. Like, I grew up seeing my dad like rip through the Lord of the Rings series. Like, wow. like he just like every year, wow. but, like he would read a lot of like Grisham and like yeah. Tom Clancy and just like these, these mega fiction, like super military. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Like lawyer by day, yeah. like vigilante by night, yeah. you know, <laughs> which, uh, I, I, st- I just remember those books lying around and I remember dad always reading them, uh, and just like sort of pouring through them. And so actually it, it became a tradition for me to, um, what I ended up doing was actually just be actually the first creative thing I can remember doing was writing, um, 
books. Wow. I wanted to be an author, actually. Yeah. And uh, this was when I was like 10. But <laughs> I wrote... Uh, I wrote novels or not. I wrote like 30 page books, you know, like, um, like in pencil yeah. on like lined paper for my dad. And, uh, and we would go camping every, every single year. I would just, I would every year, which is sort of like a deadline. Like I would bring the book camping. And I remember when we were camping, dad would have time to read it cause he was on vacation. Yeah. Um, and so he would read it and he would just be like, these aren't half bad, dude. <laughs> like these are, this is pretty good. And I, and, uh, and I was just like, thank you. And then I think looking back, uh, they were, they were horrendous. Uh, he probably didn't even understand what was happening, uh, or could probably not even read half of it. But, uh, what was important for me is that he sort of solidified that in me at a really young age. That's said, amazing. This is what you should do. You should tell stories. And so, yeah. yeah definitely. Well, even, even if he saw like a fragment of a story structure whatsoever right, right. at that age, right. you can recognize talent in that. Right. right. Cause otherwise, yeah, I was coming home and like staying out until, the streetlights went out playing hockey. Like it was just like, it was just like obsessed with just like sports. And then like we'd go camping and dad'd be like, Oh, you just, you know, you sort of knit together a bit of a story. That's interesting. And I think that I'll, I'll be for the rest of my days thankful that he sort of at least pointed that out to me. That set me on the, definitely on the direction towards where definitely where I am now. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, our history is being friends because we for sure I can't remember exactly when we met but I do know that we played in uh, bands that often swapped opening for each other and we we're right. off you know we rolled in the same circles that way so right um, yeah the, well I mean I think the disclaimer here really uh, and you were really kind by saying that you know we both played in bands that sort of swapped opening for each other but the, the truth is is that we we definitely rode off of your back. I mean, this is the truth. This is the truth. Because you played a band called Life and Sound, which is the sickest rock band that I still have ever heard in my entire life. If you I like, think you should have blown up. If you want to hear like a Coldplay mixed with Radiohead mixed with, I don't know, some other ambient Cigarose. band rip-off. Cigarose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because Bryson's like, he would, like go, he would always go to his head voice. That falsetto. Oh, so good. Yeah. And what was funny about that time is that we played in a band called Forevermore mm. and Forevermore was just more of a pop rock band, but we were heavily influenced by life and sound. Life and sound was like our thing, you know, like we, we, we started listening to life and sound. And we're like, you guys were breaking in the scene and we, and I don't see this. I don't say the scene lightly. Cause you know that those two words carry a lot of, a lot of weight. Cause when we yeah. were young, it was like, you know, the, the rock sort of punk scene was a huge deal. Um, it's interesting that you talk about us so highly because we literally went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, you did. No, man. And In it's our funny. Minds, you did. Well, it's funny because like while it's while you may have visualized it like, oh, we were riding on your coattails. We yeah. were riding on the coattails of so many so other many bands. bands. No, it's we, not. What. So yeah, I guess that's like I don't I don't feel bad about it now. Do you remember but, this? Do you remember this? Um, I had I had to bring this up. Um, I remember like when we played like our second show or third show or something like that, we, what we ended up doing is cause you guys were a five piece, yeah. including John Dumont on lights. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a light guy, but he also, we, he transitioned to, into background vocals, glockenspiel and other percussion As instruments, does, a multifaceted, very talented person. This is like, like to point out the third time we've talked about John Dumont on this podcast. The, we should and just change the name listening. of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to send this to him and be like, dude, for your next via trip, like just play this over the last. Dude, that guy's, that guy's right on. He's, I, I love that guy. He's so good. Um, but okay. But so w- we would play, John Dumont would play lights. Uh, 
and uh, and we grew up watching you guys play lights, and there were these halogen yeah. construction lights that you wired into this um, this this light board that we stole from that you stole the church and that what, we practice that. Yeah, what <laughs> we did is because we saw you guys do that, we also bought these halogen lights. Nice. Um, but we didn't steal our light board. I got a buddy, and you, of course, know him. His name is Seth Fan. He's yeah. one of my best buddies. Uh, and he was always in sort of the trades. Like, he's uh, yeah. he's a carpenter. And so when we were young, that meant that he was also an electrician. Gotcha. So we just, like, commissioned it. We didn't commission him. We, we <laughs> told him that he had to build us this light board. And so I remember still, because we also rehearsed at a church. And we would re- we were rehearsing, and we were like, like Seth, you got to build us this light board ASAP. Like, let's go. Yeah. And he spent one rehearsal building it and i still remember it, <laughs> his hands were just like covered in blood just like trying to like wire together these halogen lights and the different cir- i don't even circuits yeah. i don't know something and then that's he would put them on yeah. faders that's electric <laughs> um and and he would put them on these and and he the whole thing and i still remember like there was like blood on it and it was just like he kind of handed it to us like shaking and, so like, punk rock in yeah so very, exactly punk <laughs> yeah. rock for those who are watching um but uh, but we we did that because of you guys and and I think too like I we I played piano in the band at that time yeah primarily or I just was like sort of a front man because sure. I've always had too much energy and we ended up I used we, the first show we put our piano in the back and I sat there and sang and then our next show you maybe will remember this I moved my piano to the middle of the stage yeah and so it was like. Um, it was like I was sitting sideways on the stage. It's very hard to explain. Sure, yeah, Chris Martin style. Chris Martin style, yeah. right? Like in the middle of the stage, sideways, which is how Bryson always did it. Okay, cool. We played in Life and Sound, and then I remember that we, well, number one, we just fully ripped off your whole stage plot, like because that's what that's what you guys did, and so then we did it too. And I remember that there was a bit of bad blood there for a really, bit. yeah, I remember that, and and maybe there still is. And if Bryson's listening, I just want to say. I'm sorry for stealing your stage setup. Yeah, it was my bad. But they're like legit shouldn't be because <laughs> first of all, the light thing, life story monologue brought life that story to, monologue, the for, 100%. to the to the forefront, which was like the only band that yeah, like really that mattered mattered. The hundred percent, they were legit. And then everything else was just from Coldplay. So like, <laughs> <laughs> there shouldn't be bad blood, Bryson. If you're listening to this, time to grow up, bro. Yeah, no, Bryson. If you're listening to this, nah, let's you, hang out. Now we all hated you. <laughs> I think that everybody in that band was like top tier, coolest people. Anyways, that's how we met. It is how we met. Yeah, and we played a bunch of shows together, and we it was a lot um, of shows together. We played all our shows together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, we were a package deal. No, that was a good time. That was some of the fondest memories I think uh, in my life. Probably yeah. are yeah. when we played really, likely really bad music. Yeah, uh, for almost no people. Yeah. In a bunch of church basements, but boy, did we have a good time, dude! I still have life. I still have life and sound. I still have the record. I still listen to it every once in a while. You know that was that was truly um, an important time because I think it transformed. It, it certainly <laughs> transformed who who we were today, who we are today. Yeah, like it doesn't matter whether any of us have like gone a hundred percent into music or like uh, like yourself, like a hundred percent into f- like f- videography or like yeah. filmmaking. It was a creative cesspool. It was. It, it, we just everybody fed off of each other's creativity. And well, it was I'm glad, weird. I'm it was glad you brought that up because, like, life. Eh, I guess it depends what career you go into, but life in general is kind of collaborative. Yeah. Uh, re- relationships. Yeah. Being married, whatever it may be. Right. 
everything's collaborative. And I think that uh, even if you decide to like run a business of some sort, mm-hmm. I think being in a band, whether you're any good or not, right. uh, you learn a lot from doing that. Right. And I remember when I talked to Kyle on the first podcast. Kyle Jacks. Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. He's such a good dude. That we, uh, The first podcast that we recorded that didn't get released. Mm-hmm. We were talking a lot about kind of the things that he got out of it. And that was one of the things he mentioned. And they, right. you know, you learn how to, they bought a van because they toured more than we did. So, right. you know, they learned how to like, oh, I learned how to buy a car. Right. Doing that. The value of money. You, you learn how to right. balance your, yeah. your money a little bit. Right. Sure. No, like no bands at our level were ever making enough money that it mattered really. Maybe like still, monologue. Yeah, maybe. I, I'd like to hope. I, you know what? But no, but I completely agree with you. Um, it, it teaches you life lessons mm-hmm. um, that you don't get in sort of formal education in high school. You get a lot of lessons there. But parallelograms. But, oh, parallelograms. <laughs> so important. I haven't heard that word since grade nine. Yeah. Grade 10, maybe. Um, you don't learn, you don't. You don't necessarily learn the same the same lessons. I think it's the same reason that people um, are involved in sort of organized sports, yeah, uh, or or ballet or or whatever, or like synchronized swimming or polo. These are like three of the most obscure sports that I just named off. But if you're into it, that's great because like joining a team is a huge, I think, a developmental stage for for young mind, and that's what I took out of it too. I'm happy you brought that. I didn't even think about that, but mm-hmm. that a hundred percent. You also learn how to balance opinions in a room sure because you have five people who are creative hormonal yeah and like 15 18 yeah. 17 and and they're and they're just like no no i don't i don't like that chord there it shouldn't be there yeah and then you and then you're like what do i do with that how do i combat somebody how do i how do i how do i present um something that i feel deeply about sure whether it matters or not i think that's like an excellent exercise yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. no 100 percent. and like you learn how to be a leader mm-hmm. in that too right? right because i think that like every band as much as it's a collaborative effort there needs to be some sort of a leader yeah. steering the ship a little bit because yeah. it's just the way it is yeah um so i will say that the music you play now is much different than the music that you played in that band when did you decide to move from punk rock into i want I would. I don't know musical genres probably as, as well right, as you right, do. Right, so, right. what would you define your musical genre as now, and how did you get to that point? Right. Um, genre is one of those things that I think for artists is um, is ever developing. Sure. I, I think it's. Um, some people know exactly what they're. I mean, if you play in like a heavy metal band, you play in a heavy metal band. Sure. But even in that, there's subgenres, and so it's it is it does become uh, exhausting to try to um, explain. But I think to to give a good idea, it's probably like folk pop, gotcha. um, alternative sort of like Americana. Um, there's definitely some of those, all of those elements inside of it. Um, maybe maybe a mix between like James Bay and Ed Sheeran and. Uh, you know, John Mayer on Paradise Valley, like a little bit of country. So cool. Maybe. Yeah, I like that. Um, something that we talked about briefly just when we were kind of talking about doing this podcast mm-hmm. is, um, you know, a lot of people spend their 20s, their early 20s trying to, they, they go to school and right. and try to figure out their lives that way. Right. And your experience was different in the other direction almost like you tried the school thing, correct? Yeah. So this is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was, uh, I think I was, yeah, I was finishing up grade 12 and like high school for me was interesting. Like I had a great high school experience. It was fun. It was fun. Um, 
I've always had like really good friends and mm-hmm. had like a pretty good community. Um, like I met my girlfriend in high school, like we were dating. Um, and so like high school, yeah, high school for me was excellent. And, um, transitioning, at, transitioning out of that, I think that I just entered into this sort of like permanent bliss for a little while. Cool. Um, there wasn't a lot of, pre- there was a bit of pressure for me to go to school. Mm-hmm. My sisters, I have two older sisters and they both sort of went to school. Um, and um, and studied things that they cared about and that they loved, and they sort of they sort of knew that going into it, and they they still apply it to their lives. Uh, for me, I had absolutely no idea, like no, no clue. <laughs> and so I was like, I like music. And so like the summer after high school, I remember I was like, maybe I'll go to school for music. And I was like, I started taking um, piano lessons because in my so in my mind, I was like, I in this in the summer can get to like grade eight conservatory (laughs) to like apply to Juilliard or something. Was Um, that legitimately your goal or was that just like, that was a goal. Oh, that was a goal. (laughs) I'll just, I won't make fun of you. No, let's laugh at it because, because that's truthful is that, well, what is truthful is that it, it was funny. And, and, and this sort of lends into sort of my, this, the permanent bliss of season between like 17 and probably 20, two for me 23 is that I worked a lot of jobs I did a lot of things I did I traveled a lot and I went to school for a fraction of it like I I decided to go and I just was very free and easy in that time of my life and and it was it was beautiful it was necessary and it taught me a lot which I'll we'll probably get to but um yeah, after high school, I went to university. I went and I visited McMaster campus. My sister Jen went there. And so I was just like, that's where I'm going to go. Um, I liked it. I did a year. I studied. Um, I said I couldn't get into school for music. So I tried to get to grade eight conservatory. I took like grade up to grade one. And then I dropped out, which is a, a, true to my character. I just was like, that. I, that's too hard. I had to try it, but that's just, that's too difficult. Sure. Obviously we're going to leave the piano playing to the experts in the world. And, <laughs> and so I was like, that's not what I'm going to be. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be an excellent piano player. I'm not going to go to school for music. Um, so then I was like, okay, well, what can I do in the meantime as I learn more about music and what music means to me in my life? And I was like, okay, I'll go to school for writing. Cause I knew I loved stories. So I was sure. like, what do you go to school for writing? And I thought, um, there's a couple of journalism programs, but you had to have like this really good portfolio and I was like that that can't be it I can't go to I can't get in anywhere um so I was like I'll go to school for English uh and I'll uh what's it called when you do the second thing in school a minor I'll minor you minor <laughs> the second thing <laughs> hey man you're asking the wrong person I didn't go to school either 100 this is it um and I said I'll, I'll I'll minor in multimedia and so you know I I went to school for English and it was beautiful like it was great McMaster's a gorgeous campus mm-hmm. um I had a lot of fun a lot of good professors um I hung out with my friends quite a lot but I didn't do very well in school I was never a very good student I was never very good in the classroom and so you know my mind was always drifting and I was always sort of like like my, my best memory of that year that I went to school because I you know uh only went to school for a year and so that my best memory that's that year was like walking around the campus like I still remember very distinctly um the shapes of the buildings Mm -hmm. and the pathways that led around them and I remember um the apple cinnamon tea that I drank once on the berm behind McMaster and those were those were all important to me those 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 experiences I sort of always soaked up those moments and I don't remember a single thing that I learned 
Um, and so I never look back on it as a waste because it was not a waste. And I, and I think that I believe highly in education and I believe highly in the privilege of education and where we live. And I think those are beautiful things. Um, and so I would always encourage people to follow that pathway first. But ultimately, I, I just, I, I was like, this is pretty good for me. Um, but I'm not really excelling at my program. So I was, I think I finished that first year um, pretty low grades. And mm. then uh, I worked that summer. I was 18. I worked the for the city of Burlington. I got a job through my other sister. Hey, I remember that. Yeah, oh, that was the best job I, I ever had. used to visit UA or cleaning the bathrooms. Are you serious? Yeah. The things that I touched with my hands. <laughs> like, I swear <laughs> to you today that I have never touch such volatile just like egregious the i would just pick up things that i wouldn't and i just like had gloves on uh but i just did my job and i loved it and it was fine like i would i would what i worked for the park park and recs so I, um park you're, and rec you're literally I'm working for the leslie, park i'm yeah. leslie no oh yeah. my god and so it and it and i was like happy go lucky like and i worked in that summer i worked 3 p.m to 11 i think yeah um that was my shift and nobody else in the city was working from like like two hours of people working yeah and then i would be like five o'clock and i literally had a park to myself and i took care of the beach in burlington where uh you're familiar with before our listeners it's like a um like out of 10 probably like rated two beach in in Ontario or the world, like it's got like power lines running above <laughs> it, and there's like the birds most toxic, dying and the most toxic water. It's you can't even swim half the time. Yeah. Could you not? My sister worked for the city that year, and I would get on my shift and I would drive down the gator like the little go kart, yeah. um, and I would drive that down to the beach because I had to do the garbages, and it was like a five minute drive, and I would meet my sister there, and then her job at that time was to like to be communicating with the safety patrol who were testing the waters every day, yeah, and uh, and and oftentimes the water was just not safe to to swim in, but I would start at like three and get there by four. And so I would meet Kaylee and drive her through uh, my sister, Kaylee through the beach. And we would change the sign that the water's not safe. Yeah. But at three, eight, 3 PM, 4 PM, like people are already swimming. Oh, you know, dude. like, so we'd like be changing the sign and people be like, excuse me, I've been in here for eight hours. Cool. My kids are swimming right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> the, what's going on? Yeah. You mean the, the kid with three arms? <laughs> <laughs> Big disclaimer, the city of Burlington. It's right next to the city of Hamilton. Right next to the city of Hamilton, and right in this golden horseshoe, this 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 just it just collects, and it's yeah. not none of it's good. I mean, Lake Ontario is not great, but but it's you know what? If there you're were not times gonna, where it wasn't bad. Like, if you're not going to swim in it. It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous, yeah. and and it was the dream job. So around this time, um, I had released my first record. So mm-hmm. at this time, I was already writing music, and I was I was already sort of identifying as a songwriter. Um, and that in part comes, maybe later we can explain, but there's a really great independent record label in Hamilton called Other Songs Music Co. Mm-hmm. Um, huge uh, support and huge influence at the beginning of my career as far as uh, direction and who to be and how to write and, and, and how to love music and how to love songwriting. Mm-hmm. So in that summer, I had just released a record called Stories. I do um, remember. Right. And this yeah. is this is a this is my first record and it just barely got pulled together and we released it and we're really proud of it. Um, and so we're kind of getting to the middle of the summer. I just released the record. Uh, and, uh, and I was thinking about, I was like, well, I love music. I'm going to go back to school for English. So I remember going back and I met with the, the counselor or whoever, and they were just like, yeah, 
like you, you didn't do very good in your first year. So like you got the, these marks and they literally were like, you can come back to McMaster for your second year, but you cannot go back into English. Like you just, your grades aren't going to go We'll take your money, like, but like, like, we don't know what you're going to do. They're like, we'd like you to go into one of these programs and then work on some English stuff and then circle back in English in, in third year. And at this time point, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll take it a little more serious. Yeah. I was like, what kind of classes do you have to offer? Uh, and they were just like, well, we have theater and arts. And I was like, that's me. Sign it up. So you went, you went into arts? Well, I basically was or- like, I'll come back to school and I will go into theater and arts, um, basically to be in the, like to learn how to act. Yeah. And, and this wasn't ever my goal, but this is just sort of how I guess blissful I was at this time and just sort of how, um, I was just quite happy. I was just like, yeah, sure. Like I'll, I'll circle around. I'll go, um, I'll, I'll take a theater and arts program and then circle back into English. No problem. Um, Let's just sign up right now. Yeah, it is interesting because like most people that are blatantly being told that like they kind of suck at school (laughs) would probably be pretty bummed out. But you're just like, yo, whatever, man. I was good. I'm good. I went to that meeting with my buddy Brandon Baldoff and we sat there together and he was just like, like, are you, which program do you want to do? I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, I'll just pick the theater and arts one. Like, I don't really care. I'll just like, I need to finish this degree. Um, yeah. I was going to go into theater and arts. And I just like, I look back on that. I'm like, what, Eric, what were you thinking? Stop. Yeah. Don't sign up for that course. Uh, and like, as fate would have it very luckily, um, I'd made that decision sort of in the summer as you have to enroll in that time, continued working for the city of Burlington and then um, released that record stories that we were talking mm-hmm. about. And then at that time there was a band in Hamilton called the city harmonic right. um, who I'd known pretty closely through a guy named Eric Fuselet, uh, who's a close friend and a, and a I write a lot with Eric and I'm, I, he helps me actually quite a lot in, in what I'm, I'm recording music. He's just helped me. He's got a studio at, at his place called sheepdog studios. Um, he, and he's just always been a good friend. And so he'd, he'd sort of known me and he was in this band and they had sort of been picking up a lot of steam. They'd have been doing quite, they had a single, um, called manifesto that had done pretty well in the, in the United States. And so they were about to embark on sort of a big tour with uh, some funding. They had a big label deal. Uh, and, uh, and I remember still dry, I was driving my little gator down to the, to, to the beach, um, middle of the summer thinking I'm going back to school for theater and arts. I don't care. I'm just going to go back. I don't love it, but I'm going to keep writing. Um, I'm going to keep making music. That was always just sort of the prior. Everything else was just there. But it's just like, I'm going to keep doing music. And then I got that call and it was from Eli, um, who was their lead singer, who is the, was their, their lead singer. They've, they've disbanded, but, um, at the time was their lead singer. And he was just like, Hey man, like we know, we know each other from, from way back. Um, we don't mind this stories record. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, it's not great, but we'd, <laughs> we'd like you to, uh, you know, to come out on tour with us. And, um, and I'll never forget his words. He was like, you know, you can, you can really see if this is for you or not. Um, if you're interested in music, why don't you come on out and just sort of see if this is for you? Um, and they were just like, we'd like you to sort of just work for us, uh, to do, uh, stage tech, um, and then they were like, maybe down the line, we can give you a couple tours to where you're opening for us or, or who, who or whatever. It didn't matter at that time. I was just like working for the city of Burlington, going back to school for theater and arts. And I get this call and this, these, this cool older dude is like, yo, yeah. come out on tour with us. And I just, just hung up the phone and said, yeah, 
I think I, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do that. I have a very similar experience. Um, <laughs> Tell me. And Eli is also part of it. He's just the godfather, isn't he? <laughs> so it's funny because, yeah, so um, if anybody's listening to this podcast, or has been listening, they are familiar with my story as far right. as like having a kidney transplant, all that stuff. But right. there was a time when I was on dialysis, <clears throat> on dialysis for yep. about six months. And I was there one night and I'm, and I'm hooked up to like heartbeat monitors and all these things. And right. I get this call from Eli. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric just explained, I'm the lead singer of City Harmonic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey man, like we want to shoot this music video. And at this time I was fairly young in my career what you know i was shooting some corporate videos weddings that kind of thing but like right. nothing too big and cool right and so imagine getting a call from this mu- from this band that wants to shoot a music video for like a good song right a good song right and they had all of two thousand dollars <laughs> but like so just to paint a visual, all my nurses come running over because my heartbeat monitors are going <laughs> off the chain because I am so excited. I'm literally shaking. Call like, the doctor. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they're like, this kid's dying. This right. kid's dying. Right, right. <laughs> but isn't it funny how sort of these are our deep desires, our sort of soul desires, um, like even even as you lay there in sort of like obvious physical strife, um, your heart rate goes because your soul is just dancing because yeah. it's happy because you're getting an opportunity to do the thing. And that's why the thing that you love, whatever you love to do, yeah. Yeah, if you get an opportunity to do it, it just sort of resurrects you. It just, it, does. it, it doesn't matter what else is going on. Yeah. yeah After on. that, I didn't need dialysis. It just cured my kidney. <laughs> Actually kind of kidding. <laughs> Definitely kidding. Yeah. Just, I just pulled the line right out and yeah. said, ladies, it's been real. <laughs> Have a really good night. So ultimately you dropped out of university to tour. Right. Full time. Yeah. In retrospect, it sounds so crazy um, to say, and, it, and it's something that I sort of do mull over. And I think that those years over, you know, between 18 years old, when I did decide to leave school uh, and go out on tour um, to 20, you know, to 22, 23, when I came home, are years that are filled with so much experience and just so much, um, yeah, it could, so many things. And yeah. I'm still really decoding a lot of that, a lot of those years. Well, it's interesting because, you know, just hearing about it, a lot of people may be like, whoa, that's, that's a huge, crazy decision. But at least you, it wasn't like you were going out and just like borrowing your family van and going on tour across right, the country, right, so to right, speak, playing right. your music. At least you had the opportunity to experience that with a band that was established that was mm-hmm. making money playing, you know, good venues, that kind of thing, right? Like you right. were kind of getting a feel for what it was like. And I think this is important, get a feel for what it's like to be a successful musician because right. otherwise you're just kind of like guessing what things are and you get to see right. that stuff firsthand. Yeah, it was a benchmark for me as far as, you know, the, hey, this is what it looks like, not to just perceive sort of success inside of the music industry, but to really um, observe success inside of the music industry. And hey, here's a hardworking group of, of you know, five, four guys, sorry, who um, worked 10 years before they got their break Mm -hmm. and, and to sort of come in on the 10th year where they really did well sort of commercially, um, was an, was an extraordinary experience for, for one, because yes, we, we got to sort of jump on a bus and begin a tour. And you know what, that's, that's a little bit easier than barring your mom's, you know, civic and, and doing it that way. Mm -hmm. But, but on the, on the other end, you know, I really got to, I was 18 years old and I was going out on tour with like, 30 year olds, you know, yeah, and, it's and, true. and everybody that we, that we went out with, that we toured with, that we played with was like older 
And so there was a ton of influence um, from people who had worked their entire lives to to reach a goal inside of the music industry that I was just sort of just soaking in and I was just sort of observing as a young person. And that for me um, was life changing. Yeah. Uh, was life cha- was life changing. And are and there any specific uh things that you would, you know, lessons that you would attribute to that time in your life? Yeah. I think that, um, you know, I say, I think that I'm, I really am still tr- even today, um, trying to decode a lot of what happened in mm-hmm. that season, uh, in those, you know, three to four years that I just sort of left everything. Um, <laughs> I never forget what I got the call to do. And I just like went to my, I was still living with my parents and I just like went outside, went home and I was just like, guys, grab a glass of wine. <laughs> I was like 18. I couldn't even drink yet. And I was like, pour me one. <laughs> like, Let's go sit out on the, ba- on the, on the back porch and talk about something. And, and to go from that to, to suddenly, um, yeah, you know, traveling across the, the, the all of North, North America. America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just sort of hitting most cities inside of the United States that you might want to go to. And just like to have that experience as a young as a young man is, um, is, is transformative. And what I think it taught me more than anything else was that I had limits because I think that when I was young, especially in the season, you know, what, as I was explaining, you know, I went to school, I didn't necessarily really care what I was doing at school. I was just happy to be writing music and I was just happy to be, um, soaking in influence and I was, uh, inspiration and I was happy to be just doing whatever. And, and, um, suddenly all of a sudden to just sort of been, be thrust into um, a full-time working, you know, touring yeah. band um, for me was, uh, it was a culture shock mm-hmm. because, or it was a some kind of shock. It was a life shock. Uh, and, and what it taught me was that, you know, I went into that experience with the, with more energy than, you know, I could have in three lifetimes now. Like I just like didn't sleep. I would stay up all night and, and truly like we had to, we had to drive through the night. Um, a lot of, we did a lot of tours and vans and things like that. Um, so we were working really hard and I had all this energy and I poured it all into it. And, and ultimately what it, I think what it really taught me was a couple things. And, And one of the major things was that it was, I had limits and I just sort of, I think I just overworked myself. Um, and I would just burn out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that when I came back from, um, from that experience from tour, I just sort of suddenly just was like, I don't have it. I think I just spent all my energy and it probably took me a couple of years to get that back. And that's where I learned a lot too. Cause I was reflecting on all the years sure. that I'd been out. So yeah, a lot of bands that like we know of and like the local scene and stuff like that are the tours that they do are, you know, two, three weeks max kind of thing. But this was, Longer, you were gone yeah. for, months yeah a few years it was fun because i mean what we would do is we would go on tours and we would do tours like like we do like 170 dates in the year or like i think we might have done like 200 dates in in a year in 2013 but we did a lot and and the truth is is that i was hired on to do sort of like a stage hand Mm -hmm. uh and just sort of tune guitars and uh you know i was always a better I was always, I always wanted to like perform and play music more than that. So I never really excelled at that. Um, but very, very luckily enough, like very soon after I started working for them, they also offered me 
just tours that I could come out and open for. And, and part of the way that I would buy onto, a lot of people don't know that, um, often when you go out on tour with a bigger band, like a headlining band, and you're sort of an emerging artist, you generally are paying to be there. Oh, wow. Um, in order for the expo the exposure sure. or you're giving something it makes sense right yeah. unless you're really sharing a bill or they're you know they're you're simple but if you if you're like an 18 year old kid who has uh one record uh yeah <laughs> it, that has been listened to by like his mother mostly and then you get to go out on tour uh, with a band who's worked 10 years and who's established and has um a following a of following some sort, yeah. of some sort then then generally you know you're there to work and you're there to sort of earn earn your place so it's, so i would i would stage hand and i would do all their merch and i would sell their things and um i would sort of manage their merch and um do tune their guitars in order to be there to open up and so then they would give me opening slots on sure. these tours and that was amazing did you see a growth in your fan base based on those opening spots huge yeah absolutely that that was those were defining moments for me um, because yes, it was validating in a way because like you go out on these tours, you release a record, you're not really entirely sure, you know, whether you can do this or not. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you have, you have some idea that you want to be a creative and you have some idea that you, you put your first pro whatever creative product it is out there, but it's not until it's sort of received by, um, by people, uh, that you, that it sort of validates you. And so, yeah, for sure. In those years gaining, um, a, you know, a, quote unquote fans um, and a lot of them that are are still hanging out with me and that are that are still out there uh, in the world um, following my music and, and supporting me and, and sticking uh, sticking with me um, was was extraordinarily validating and, and gave me sort of the fuel um, to continue on uh, continuing on you know making music would you say that you know, getting firsthand experience on that length of a tour that and, and seeing because like it's not all what, yeah, yeah, what you would think it would be, right? It's not right. all glamorous. You're driving with mm -hmm. 10 other smelly dudes that haven't had a shower in a couple of days right. overnight right. in a 12-passenger van, right. not laying down while you're sleeping kind of thing, right. and just you know <laughs> grinding it out, and that's what it takes as right. an emerging artist. Right. Did you leave that being like, hmm, maybe I do want to go back and uh, do a yeah. minor in media studies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it a lot. Really? You okay. know, I think that like the the thought has always gone through my mind um that there there may be something else that I could be doing. Mm. Um that might be easier. But but that has never for a second really persuaded me uh away from knowing that the hard work that is necessary to put into your art or your medium um is the is the work that will sort of um is the work that will one day sort of save you from having to work. Sure. And so I think that ultimately the, what I put into those years, uh, developed me to a place now where, you know, I don't have the same expectations as I did when I, when I was that young and I was going out on tour. And, um, I feel like I've really matured and I've really blossomed as an artist and that's sure. a lot. Thanks. Thanks to those years. But yeah, for, for a lot of that time, I, um, I think that especially near the near the end of of those sort of touring days when I was sort of running low on energy um and I was also questioning like hey what do I now what do I now want to do you know like I've sort of worked for this band for this long and you know I and I eventually started playing for them mm -hmm. um for just like a small very uh, a small bit of time but I would I would I would play for them their their bass player got 
cancer actually I mean, he's healed from that now which is amazing yeah. he's, he's doing incredibly uh and he's doing well now uh, and he's healthy but when when he was sick like i had to step in and, and play for them i just wore a lot of hats in that time and, mm-hmm. and and i was i was living out um my dream but at the same time you know i was playing for another band i was doing merch for another band i was playing music on tours that uh, inside of an industry of music that i thought was excellent but i just i didn't know exactly who i was independently yeah um i took on a lot from from those years of course i learned an extraordinary amount but then i was like you know these quite you know in your early 20s these questions start coming like okay but who am i really and you know who am i as a writer totally totally what who do i want to write for and i think at nearing the end of nearing the end of those touring days that that really started to set in where i was like okay um what do I want to do now moving forward? Um, how do I want to take all the lessons that I've learned in this in this incredible sort of weird last few years? And and what was harder about that situation is I was like 23 when I got back from tour and like everybody's finishing their university degrees. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they're just like, let's go. They're like, I'm working at Scotiabank, you know, like doing, <laughs> you know commerce buddy i'm i'm in economics and it's like go oh, amazing like you have a great job and try good for you and then they'd be like what are you up to are you going back on tour and it was like no i don't think i'm going back now yeah and that those were hard years it was like all of a sudden yeah it's like i don't know what then who am i but if you think about it the amount of people that want to be musicians that are aspiring to to even have a fraction of the experience that you got to have at least you got to go through that and yeah. and kind of like yes you had those questions that you had to think about, but right. like you had proper experience to base your decisions off of where right. most people are just kind of like, well, I could do right. this. And they just kind of guessing. So wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the, honestly, yeah. wouldn't have, wouldn't have trade, traded those years for anything else in the, in the whole world. Definitely. It, it, I mean, it taught me that my career and my job are very separate from my vocation and um, it helped me develop my voice very much. So, yeah. you know, help me develop who I am, what I really want to say. And those are, those are things that I, that I'm now working on at sort of the next level of my life or the next chapter of my life. Yeah. And so I'll forever be grateful for those years. They're, they're the best thing that ever happened to me. I love it when people can say that about something, 100%, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, being in this world for how, how long have you been classifying yourself as a musician and chasing this down and working, you know, intentionally working at it? I would say probably since 18 probably since like I decided that I was going to leave school. And how old are you now? And now I'm 26. Okay. So, so not in, not incredibly long but not incredibly short. That's a good chunk of life though. It's a good chunk of life. And yeah. adult it's an life. important chunk. Uh, yeah, life, I was right? going to say it's, it's it, your 20s which is an integral part of your life. Yeah. So, you know, being in the music business, what have what have you learned from it? Have you had any experiences based, you know, not not from the artistic side of it from strictly from the business side of it? Right. Uh so far so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my experience with, um, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of my time going out with the city harmonic and, and them as a band, um, were, you know, diligent and integral people. You know, they, they didn't, there were sure there were, there was, there were bouts of frustration and, and, and arguments that, that happened in those years. And there's always tension when you're living with stinky six other men in a van or bus. And you're just like, those are always going to happen over, um, 
you know, discussions about business. Like the, like I experienced a bit of that when I was out with the city harmonic because they were making some, um, decisions in their career um that were huge decisions were business decisions they were massive decisions um and so like it was neat to see that side but then transitioning out of that it was like th- those were always like fruitful good conversations everybody i met in the industry while in my time and um on tour with the with the city was was good and they were they were generally kind to me as far as like you know agents and uh in our type people mm-hmm. but um, like but what about you Right. You know what I mean? Like in, in right. now in recent times and in, in like in right. working to develop your brand and your your like who you are as a musician, what have you noticed? So thus far, I mean, it's as I said, it's been it's been good. Yeah. I mean, I think that um my experience like this year for instance, I, I got a really unique opportunity to uh be picked as a finalist. I think one of five finalists in Canada for the Canada Walk of Fame puts on sort of an emerging artist uh showcase every year and so um I was able to to, to be a part of that and, and, and land as a finalist in that. And that was a really, really unique, an extraordinarily unique experience. Got to put on a set at, uh, at the great hall in Toronto, which is like a great venue, greatest venues. Um, really beautiful. And so Justin, my brother-in-law and I got to go out and, and, and play together on that one. Um, and that was amazing. And then what, what I also got to do is sit in during that day with, um, just some like really extraordinary industry types of people. Um, you know, uh, um, Don Kitchen, who's an A&R guy um, from Universal, and um, Grant Paley and uh, Jeff Latimer, like these, like really, you know, industry type, like sort of type giants in Canada, w- came and just sort of gave a, their their time, and and they were able to give a, give a lot of their knowledge, which was like one of the most unique experiences of my life to really be able to sit in a room of you know say five other artists that are really intentionally working towards their goals um, to create a career inside of the music industry and then to to hear the perspectives of you know other like industry leaders was was a really unique experience and I, I think what I saw is like sort of behind every music industry type of person is a music lover mm-hmm. and and what you see when you sort of um, get inside of the same room as as people who are working inside of the music industry is that you see a lot of people who just like love music who are obsessed with music and uh, and whose first love was truly music and that's why that they, they got into the industry um, so that that was a neat that was a neat experience I think that that's like my most recent experience I suppose with um, with the, the music industry I yeah I ju- yeah and I just uh, I signed a publishing deal um, which is uh, with a, a company in Toronto and that experience has been really good and I'm really excited to to work towards that first time in my life where I had to you know include a lawyer in in looking at like an agreement yeah. and and it's really strange because um, because you want to protect yourself but yet you know you're you're building a relationship with um, sort of a business partner yeah. and so it's just this odd combination of of things that's, um, man, that's so cool. Congratulations on that. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It'll be a cool year. I think it'll be a fun year, you know, um, to to be writing more is my goal. And so this has sort of been many years in the planning and many years of of, of working towards and, and ultimately I have many years ahead of me still. You know, my goals aren't met yet. Yeah. But, um, but so far, everybody that has, I guess to answer your question, everybody who's sort of been involved in this industry with me, um, I've been very lucky, I, you know. A lot of people aren't, you know, I've heard some stories, some pretty terrible stories of people who 
got themselves into trouble. But, you know, I've, I've always just felt very lucky and very blessed that way. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been pretty good so far. Absolutely. So I guess one of the, the last few things that I want to talk about is how, how has your music changed over the years? Mm-hmm. Uh, because ever since I've known you, I feel like you've always been in this, you know, genre that you kind of described earlier on in the episode, but on like a personal level, on a songwriting level, mm-hmm. the things that you write music about, how has it progressed and changed? Well, what's always been important to me um, thus far is that everything I do has to be, at least in my opinion, and and in the opinions of the people that matter most to me. So, you know, you know, my my core group of of people, um, my friends, you know, my family. It, it does have to get better. And if I notice that I'm I'm plateauing um, in a certain area, say my guitar playing. Uh, or my vocal range, or the d- depth or introspection of my lyric, or my yeah, my songs are not telling a good enough narrative, and they're not linear. Like I just, I, I'll listen back and I'll just be like, you know, this needs to be better, and I will, I will work towards finding sort of. I mean, we spoke earlier, um, off air about about your sort of the weakest part of your passion, being sort of the the you know obviously the weakest link of who you are, but as you developed that. You know, as you actually put in the work and actually put in the time to develop the the thing that isn't the best about about your art or about your passion or about your trade, um, you as a whole begin to get better. And so, and so for me, it's 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 on one hand, um, it's it's a practical step towards. Oh, you know, the desire is always to just make a better product that that not only sounds better, that is not only more. Um, that is not always you know, practically sounds better, but that is more inspiring as well. That tells a better story, um, and and part of that too is not shutting out the other things in my life outside of music, mm. um, but but opening up, um, opening up my posture to allow more things into my life, and to not close myself off from relationships from conversations I don't want to have from viewpoints I don't want to see but but opening myself up and and being able to take in more um, in in order to have that funnel and feedback into my art and to make it more interesting uh, and to make it more relevant mm-hmm. um, you know how my art is, is is experienced by myself and by others is is important to me mm-hmm. um, and I think as a whole if <clears throat> every project I do, feels like it is increasing and it is getting better um, to me and in, in sort of my closest community of people than it is, you know, that I'm on the right road towards something. And all the while I'm opening myself up to new experiences, to new people um, and to things that are outside of sort of my, my scope or my view in life, then, then I'm happy. You know, I, I, I want to make something that is better than the last thing that I made. You know, I want to write better songs. I want to make better sounding records and I want to understand people and I want to understand life better. Amazing. So this next and probably last question can go kind of a few ways. Um, Like I want to say like, what's your idea of success? But then also I want to rope in this thing. So when I, when I had Rachel Kelly on the show Mm -hmm. and I said, what's your end goal? And she said, isn't that such a sad thought to think of like an end goal? Right. And that has changed my way of thinking. I'm no longer saying what's your end goal because I don't believe in an end goal anymore. Like Mm why, why does it have to be an end goal? Why can't we just always be progressing? So with that being said, in an ideal world, what is your idea of 
success? What will make you satisfied in what it is that you were doing? Right. Um, I think on a very human level, validation is always what sort of scratches the itch for an artist. So there, there's a part of me that is, is that, that desires, you know, the, you know, further validation of my art. So I spoke earlier about how, you know, how my art is experienced by others. I want to become more and more listenable. I want more and more people to be able to, um, to take sort of my, what I, what I've created and what's in, in my soul. And I want to be able to translate, translate, translate that. (laughs) I want to take what's in my soul and be able to translate that better. Um, so that, so that people, um, not only can sort of know where I'm coming from, but might be able to take a bit away from it and maybe apply it to their lives. As far as an end goal is concerned, I would agree with Rachel and I would agree with you. I think that um, there's not one definitive ending um, to the pursuits of, of your soul. Um, goals are good. I'm not actually, I actually approach things from that angle where um, where I'm pretty open to the future by default, mm-hmm. but I'm very bad at short-term goals. Right. You know? Um, so to be, to become more goal oriented and to be able to, um, you know, sort of accomplish more things, get to another level, um, for me is, is actually a, a good way to look at it because otherwise I do sort of just like drift off into the universe. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the end goal for me is to not stop playing music is to not stop writing music and to always know that that is the most important thing about myself. And that if it were to be taken away, it would be like to put a muzzle on my face. It truly would, um, sort of suffocate me. And, and I've had bouts of that in my life. I only know that because I've experienced that, you know, I've shut it out because I'm like, you know what? I need to focus on a professional career that is outside of, outside of art. And that's it. That's all I can focus on. Mm-hmm. And in those times I've been deeply depressed or deeply uh, disengaged from my community or in, and deeply unhappy. And so, and so for me, it's, um, I guess my hope and my goal is that I, is that I never lose focus of, um, of what I truly love, which is, yeah, experiencing is creating and experiencing art with others. Um, that's number one for me. Uh, so, you know, and that goes into, you know, future plans as to where I live and, um, and what job I take in the meantime while I do music and, and the people that, that I surround myself with. So yeah, I guess end goal for me on sort of a soul level is to never stop making art and to continue to make it better. Um, on a practical level, uh, I'd love to make a career in music. I, I would love to be able to, to do it full time at this, at this point I have a job. I've always had a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the things that I do with my day just feed into, um, my inspiration. I believe that they make me actually a better artist. And so, and so, but on a practical level, yeah, I would, I would, end goal I would love to be able to to do music as a career as sort of like a full-time thing of course all right wow well thank you Eric for for being here today for being so open and honest about all of these things your experiences and being so willing to share them I think that I don't know it's exciting I'm excited to get some feedback on this episode because I think that there's a lot of people out there that you know, the dream of being an artist, the dream of being a musician is still well and alive in the, in, you know, the world of humanity here. So I think that lots of people are going to listen to this and, you know, whether they're five years behind you, 10 years behind you at mm-hmm. the same level, they're going to be able to draw some sort of correlation and relate to what you have said. Mm-hmm. 
and get something from this, which is what this show is about. I hope so. Yeah, I do. So last thing, <clears throat> where can people go to find find out more about you, hear your music, which is probably the most important thing? Right. Um, not the most important thing, but so, so thankful that you brought that up. Thank <laughs> you for the plug. Uh, the plug is this, you know, Eric brandonmusic.com. Um, that's where you're going to find links to sort of my other socials. I'm on Instagram. Um, that's probably where you should go to sort of see my day to day Facebook. I'm not terribly active on. I'm not sure a ton of people are. So yeah, so the, the website, ericbrandonmusic.com is going to be big. Um, I have a record out that's sort of on all the streaming platforms called old love. Um, it's an EP I released, uh, a little over a year ago and I'm very proud of, it. I'd like you to go and listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some videos online on my YouTube channel that actually you recorded a oh. couple of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I got some, got some work from Jesse on my YouTube channel. And then more than anything, I'm, I'm right now I'm recording a new record yeah. and I'm over the moon about it. Like I'm so excited. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sounding different and better and more exciting than anything I've ever done. And so we're, we're hoping to release that for the, the, the springtime or maybe the summer, probably end of May. Um, uh, and so, um, love it if people could check out the social channels, Instagram, um, and Facebook, and then you could be kept up to date with, uh, as I start to release some songs in the, in that time. And I'm really excited for everybody to hear it. If they'd be willing to stick with me long enough to, to, to stick around for it. I'm telling you guys, it is worth listening to his stuff. It is Thanks, on point. Jesse. I wouldn't just say that about anybody. There's lots of musicians out there. Eric knows what he's doing, and he writes some solid, solid songs. Thank you, Jesse. Of course. Right on. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we'll see you next time. See ya. Thanks for checking out the Road Travel Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to check out Eric's music online and be sure to buy his album, which is set to release this spring. To close out the show, here is one last song from Eric, which is a cover of the song Free Fallen by Tom Petty. We'll see you next time.